I'm excited about a series that we're starting this morning. And it's just, very, we're giving it the title, Building the Family. We tried to come up with something clever. I, we had a little staff meeting, and I was talking, I said, what can we come up And you know what? We decided, you know what? We don't need to be clever with something as important as building the family. That is something that is that we all should be concerned about. And so for this series, we're going to talk about the family as in your family, but we're also going to be talking about the building the family as in building the family of God, building the church. There are things and roles, and, and I believe, how many believe that God wants to build the family? And as I was thinking about this for this week, because today I'm literally laying the foundation for this series. And we're going to talk about foundations and some things a lot today. But one of the great questions in life that we hear all over the place, one of the great questions that we hear that people again and again and again are asking is the question, why am I here? We naturally want to know, is there any purpose to this thing that we call life? Almost everybody on the planet can tell you when they were born, but can they tell you why they were born? Our alarm clocks are great. I mean, it's great. We have phones now. I mean, I don't even use an alarm clock anymore. I just set an alarm on my phone. My phone can tell me when to wake up. It can't tell me why to get up. And we, we face these things in life. This morning, if I were to ask for you guys, I'm not going to do it, but if I were to ask you to raise your hands and have a show of hands this morning as to how many of you believe that there's a God-given purpose for your life, and most of us would probably raise our hands. But the real question is, how many of you know that purpose? Because sometimes I think we treat the purpose of God like it's this out there, this, this um, hard-to-find thing that somehow God is playing hide-and-seek with the purpose of our life. But the truth is, we have His Word to learn our purpose, and your individual part of that purpose in His Word, God wants you to find that. God wants to lead you in that. It's just that sometimes when He tries to steer us towards that, we don't like the way it's heading, and so we say, I know there's got to be a better way. And so, we all yearn for meaning in life. And this morning, I want to, to remind us all that, there, that we can find that purpose, not just for ourselves, but for our family. Because how can you define success if you can't define purpose? How can we successfully raise a family if the family grows up without a sense of purpose? How do you lay the proper foundation if you have no idea where the walls and the plumbing supposed to be? See, there has to be a plan. There has to be a purpose. You know, when, when, when we did the expansion on this building we, and we expanded the foyer, we had to know exactly where every piece of plumbing was going to be, where every toilet was going to sit so that the plumber could put the pipes in the concrete and it would be in the right spot. And there was one that wasn't and it had to be moved and that was a pain. <laughs> but we see these things. There, there has, we have to know what the foundation is, what the purpose is. Yeah, you know, we uh, 
a lot of you know we've had our house on the market. We took it off for 30 days, and we've relisted it and got uh, lowered the price a little bit, made some adjustments, and and getting a lot more traction and stuff now. And you know, they want you gone when you have showings, right? So, so I mean, it's literally just been re on the market for eight days. We've had three so- showings, like 26 saves, and the traffic is much much higher. And so, when you have to leave. You got to find something to do, right? So even though we don't have a solid offer, we've kind of looked around where we'd like to land. And one of the things I've discovered in the process is who the builder is matters. There's one there's one neighborhood that I'm not going to call names or anything like that, but but we were driving by and I'd never heard of this builder and there was a little sign there and and said, "Well, let's go check that out." And walked in. I mean, the homes look nice. It was, the, the, the price was a little bit lower than some other places we looked at, and we thought this could be a possibility until I began to do a little research because I didn't know that builder and come to find out that they have, I don't want to say notorious, but they kind of have a, a history online of people saying that they had foundation troubles. X that one off the list, right? So who the builder is matters. And so this morning we're going to talk about who's your builder when it comes to building your family. Because in building a strong family, we are dependent on the master builder. We need to remember that. There is a master builder, and if the Lord isn't building your family, then there's an issue. So this morning we're going to look at Psalms 127 and explore, as we explore the idea of building the family. Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2 says this. You've probably heard this many times. But unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. How many of you read ate the bread of anxious toil before? I love that wording. For he gives to his beloved sleep. I love the ending of this. Almost like there's all this stuff, but wait. There's rest available. So as I begin to process that, this particular psalm is actually one of 15 in psalms that are what they call songs of the ascent. And they were, they were psalms, they were songs that people would either quote or they would, many times they would sing them as they were making their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. There was three major festivals or, or holiday times or holy days, whatever you want to call it, that they would make a trek to Jerusalem if they lived outside of Jerusalem. So in that day and time, it wasn't just like, like today where we jump in a vehicle. It was like, oh, who cares if it's 50 miles? We'll be there in 45 minutes. Unless there's a traffic problem. But I mean, think, if you were making that journey, you, you, might, be, you might have a, a donkey or a camel or a horse or something, but chances are you didn't have one for every member of your family. So it was quite the journey to make the trek up to Jerusalem. And so as they were going, it was a, as they were pushing through this, these were psalms that they would sing to kind of encourage them. Now, out of the 15, most of them, 10 of them exactly, we don't really know who the person is that the Holy Spirit used to pin them. We know that uh, four of them were from David. 
But this particular one that we just read actually says that King Solomon wrote this one. Now, I believe it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but just imagine this. I want you to put two and two together here. The one that Scripture says is the wisest man to ever live in conjunction with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. How many of you think that maybe that ought to be something, since it's in God's Word, maybe it ought to be something that we pay a little bit of attention to? Right? So think about that. The theme of this one psalm really is kind of God's blessing on man's effort. How many of you feel like that building a family can be a lot of effort? How many want God's blessing upon that effort? I don't know you, I discovered a long time ago that the more God blesses what I'm up to, the better it turns out. The more of me that's involved, the worse it turns out. So we want his blessing. None of us want our efforts to be in vain. Anybody ever worked hard to... I remember when I was a kid, my mom would put together a cake, and she would bake a cake, and she put all the ingredients together, and she would put it in the oven. And my brother and I were warned almost with our lives not to run through the kitchen and make that cake fall. Because if the cake fell, that means that she had to start over, and all the labors before were in vain. I liked eating the ones that fell. They were, they were fair game, right? <laughs> or maybe perhaps you've been working on something and, and, and you're, you're, you're assembling or you're repairing something and, and you get through or you think you're through and you look over and there's a part that you forgot to put in <laughs> and you realize that that part should have gone in 16 steps back. So that was a whole lot of labor in vain. But I think you get the point of what I'm saying this morning. There are so many things in life that if we don't put him as our master builder, we don't put him first, we're laboring in vain. Because we're not that good. We're not that smart. And so the whole idea is that we, two questions I really want us to answer today is what is the purpose of what you're trying to build and who is the builder? Because if we get those two questions answered, I think there's so much that you can learn from that. I truly believe that one of the most destructive lies of today is the idea is that God does not have a purpose for your life, even if he existed. There's people that argue that, but there's also people who say, well, I believe that God exists, but he really doesn't have anything to do with our lives. Both of those are lies. You're not an accident. Your your, your existence isn't some random act of chance. You were put here with a purpose. You were put here with a purpose of building something, building something that will last. Building a family that will last. Building a church that will last. Helping to build his kingdom that we know will last. The greatest lesson that we can learn is that all of these things can be done and can be done well if we make the master builder the builder. So as I was thinking about that, as I began to break this this psalm apart, these first two verses of this psalm, I, I really settled on a few things. Number one, 
God is the everlasting builder. God the builder. Think about it. I mean, Pastor Nate referred to all the stars and all the galaxies and all the um, things that are in all throughout the universe, and, and we can't even count them. And to think that he spoke those things into existence, I would call that the master builder. And so if he's offering to be a part of helping us build our family, only an idiot wouldn't take him up on that. I'm going to be a little plain spoken this morning, so just get used to it. But unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Here's a word we hear a lot today, dysfunctional. We also hear the word toxic. I, 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 have you ever noticed how much the word toxic is popping up today? That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm just like, everything's toxic. How to get out of a toxic relationship. But next to that, there was a time that dysfunctional was the word that we saw everywhere. Families were dysfunctional. Businesses were dysfunctional. Governments are certainly dysfunctional. There's churches that are dysfunctional. But the truth is, ever since mankind fell in the garden, this world has been dysfunctional. And so how do we find a purpose? How do we create something? How do we build something? How do we build a family in a society that keeps trying to redefine what the family is? And how do we hold on to what God intended it to be when we're living in a world that is dysfunctional and everywhere you look, everything is is trying to get us to embrace dysfunction? It's a challenge. Building a functional family in a world of dysfunction should never be undertaken alone. You can't do it, I can't do it. But he can. And it's so important for us to make him the key of our home, to make him the foundational thing. You know, because we all start off with great dreams. I showed a couple of you this morning. Uh, Jacob Varghis, that's a friend that we've known for a long, long time, has come here on a few Sundays, and, and he knew Kim and I from way back when we, when we first got married. I mean, and, and he came in today bringing an old church bulletin from back in those days. I and mean, we're talking, this thing is at least 30 years old, and right in the middle was this picture of Kim and I looking much, much younger. In the style of the day. It's a pretty funny picture. (laughs) But there was something about it that when we first got married, we had dreams, right? When you're you're young and you're first born, you've got dreams of what your future may be like or what your family may be like and all those things that are a part of that. And we see those things and it's so wonderful and it's so exciting, But then we soon discover something. We have these dreams for our family, but we discover that even taking a good family picture is hard. (laughs) 
that a simple task like that takes longer than it should take. And you can never get everybody going the same direction at the same time, no matter how hard you try. So you have to take a hundred pictures hoping one of them turns out okay. But our dreams, we find out they take longer than planned. It costs us more than we figured. It's messier than we anticipated. It's never easy, but it is so worth it to stick with a family, to lead a family, to make sure God is the builder of the family. Because the moment we all start chasing our own separate ideas and our own separate dreams, it's this pull against one another. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Yeah, we're dependent upon God to build strong homes. All of us make mistakes. All of us start a project and find out that it costs more than we thought, or there's more to it than we thought, or we mess it up somewhere along the way and we have to call in a professional to bail us out. Have you ever had to do that? I can get this. The next thing you're on the phone. Um, it was this, but now that I mess with it, it's this. Can you come bail me out? But we do. We need sometimes we need guidance from someone that knows what they're doing. Sometimes we need them to clean up the mess we made. But the truth is, this is the greatest part. God desires to be active in your family. To me, that always amazed me that the God that spoke it all into existence, the creator of the universe, still desires to be involved in the small details of our lives. I'm going to ask a, this is a little impromptu poll, but how many of you have ever prayed just some small what seemed seemingly insignificant thing that really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but you took the time to earnestly ask God for it, and God answered that small, simple prayer. Let me see your hand. He does it all the time. So why wouldn't we involve him in every aspect of our family? Why wouldn't we put him first? See, God should be your builder, not just your custodian that cleans up your messes. I was kind of proud of that one. (laughs) When building any home, the strength of the foundation is so important. I told you about the one builder that we that we kind of ran across. I mean, it was just like, you know, I don't want any part of that because if the foundation is a problem, that's a real problem. Because if you have a great foundation, a lot of the other stuff can be repaired. The rest of it can look really good, but if the foundation's bad, you got problems. Matter of fact, I remember a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, much, much longer ago than the picture that was even brought to me this morning. There was a passage of scripture that we used to sing as a song in children's church. 
Luke 6, 47 through 48. Jesus was talking. And he kind of told this little parable, this, this story. He said, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when, the, when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. Then it's followed up, but the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Right? And some of you, that's probably new to you, but anyway. (laughs) The point is, we've got a choice. What are we going to build? What is the foundation of this home, this family that we're trying to build? Is it on the rock involving the master builder? Have we dug down deep? Have we worked hard to make sure that everything we've built as a family is sitting on that foundation? And if it is, it will stand. And we live in a time of storms. We live in a time of difficulty. If ever there, it's probably harder to, to build a solid family today than at any other time in history. And I know there's been other seasons where bad things have been happening, but, it, but talk about being bombarded all over the place, everything coming against the idea of trying to build a solid family is the day that we live in. We live in a time of collapse, of the collapse of morality Things that used to be, at least if somebody did it, they did it in secret. Today, it's paraded out in public. And if you say anything about it, everybody else jumps on your case. No wonder we see drive-by shootings. No wonder we see so many young people giving up on life way too early. No wonder many of these problems can be traced all the way back to homes that were not built on a foundation. The answers to our problems can't be legislated. We can't vote in the right people. We can't write the right laws. We can do better than we're doing. But there are things that we can't do. You know, we see all these things, and and what we need to do is get God to come back into the picture assess the things that are wrong, set the foundation right. So that it can be built in a right fashion. And sometimes that means we got to do a little house cleaning. And we don't like that. Because we got little things we want to hold on to. It doesn't matter that it's detrimental to the spiritual foundational life of our family. It's ours and we want to keep it. Sometimes we need to set some things right. Sometimes we need to look at it and say, you know what? If I want to build the right family on the right foundation, there are certain things that, that may be the popular thing to do. There are certain things that may be even enjoyable in some sense. But if it comes between the choice between that and a strong foundation, I'm going to stick with a strong foundation. Sometimes we've got to clean house a little bit. But the truth is, 
we can build a model home if God is our builder. Now, I'm not talking about where it's all perfect with fake smiles. You ever notice that, that on every TV show today, if there is a family that, that is, is really nice and they have it together and the family's right and they live in a good home in the suburbs, that, that the show has to put some kind of deep, dark secret buried in there because they can't stand the idea of a house being right? Almost like that's sickening. But the truth is, probably all of us have some issue with some of the things that we see going on in the world today. And, and, and because of that, there's so much bickering we see over this and that and who's right and what's the best way and all these things. And, and we've all got our opinions, and I understand that. But my point is this, that we can't make it right. The only way we can truly change the world is if we get ourselves right. We get our house and home and family right. Then we join together with some others and we get the church right. We build that family. And then we begin to go out and bring other people into the family. That is the way you change a society. Our nation will not change unless true revival comes and sweeps the land. So many times. Ooh, I'm going to step across the line here, but I'm going to say it anyway. So many times we pray, Lord, sin revival. I want to see the things that we used to see, maybe if you've grown up in this or whatever. We pray these kind of prayers, Lord, sin it, Lord, sin it. And the Lord is probably looking at a lot of us and saying, I would sin it if you'd clean up your house a little bit. told you I was going to cross the line. But we need to. We need to get, we get back to the idea. We need to build the family the way it was meant to be built. And as we endeavor to build our church family, it will become healthier and we can literally change the world. Then the second thing I see in this song of the ascent is this. God is our security. So let's talk a little bit about home security. And no, I'm not trying to sell you a plan. Well, yeah, I guess I kind of am. But not only should we want our family on a solid foundation, we should want to protect what's being built. So what he said, he said, unless the Lord watches over the city... The watchman stays awake in vain. You know, I don't know about you. The most important thing worth protecting in my house is my family. Sure, there's other stuff I like taking care of. There's other things I like, like to have protected, but all those things can be replaced. Some things aren't worth a life and death fight. But my family, that's worth a life and death fight. And we need to kind of take that mentality because we live in a time where our families are under attack. 
under attack from the outside, from an onslaught of wrong influences. We live in a day and time when we have access to so much information and so much media and so many things where it's almost information overload. And sometimes it's even hard to tell what is true and what isn't true. It's amazing how many different outcomes people can get from the same set of facts. And so in the midst of all this, we're being onslaught from the outside, and, and we need to watch over those things because, man, you, you could be trying to raise your family right. You could be trying to teach them the right things and the right morals and the right things, and everywhere they go, at school, everything on TV, every, every little video they watch, all these things are just bombarding them and telling them that that's not the way. And it's just an onslaught and a bombardment and things that we believe, things that are rock solid, things that are the way God intended the family to be. Now, all of a sudden, those are horrible, horrible things. We shouldn't teach our kids those kind of absolutes. So how do we counter this offensive? But not only is there attacks from the outside, there's attacks from the inside. Because you know what? I believe without a doubt that when God created children, he created them with the purpose to test the boundaries. You draw the line, and they're going to see how many toes they can get over it how far they can step across that line before the wrath comes down. And it's this constant battle. You want to be loving. You don't want to be overbearing. You want to give kids some room to discover the gifts and the things that God gave them, but yet at the same time, you can't just let them go and do whatever. There has to be boundaries, and so that's part of the struggle. So not only is there all the influence from the outside, there's all the pressure from the inside, and we're trying to build this family. We're trying to put these things together, and there's a lot to it. It literally requires a vigilant watchman 24-7. problem is we need sleep we need downtime and it's interesting that today we live in a time that alarm systems and smart houses are a a huge huge business some of the houses we've kind of walked through that's part of their big selling point it's already set up as a smart house and you get two free alexas Matter of fact, they have cameras now. I was listening to a commercial the other day. They have cameras now that so that it doesn't re- record the whole time that they're designed where they own, that they can even differentiate now between an animal and a person. So you can sit it where it only comes up if an actual person approaches your property. So many houses today are built like fortresses. But isn't it interesting that not so long ago, people left their doors unlocked. 
They weren't worried about things coming in from the outside. You know what I believe the reason is? More homes were built on the right foundation then than today. And I know that makes me sound old and old-fashioned. And, and, and I remember as a young person looking up and seeing somebody say, well, well that's, that was for your generation. But I'm telling you, somewhere along the way, we've lost some things. I mean, I'm all for the modern. I'm all for the gadgets. I love that kind of stuff. There are things that we should change and things we should replace and things we should modernize, but there's also a lot of things we should have never touched. Because this is the foundation that it needs to be built on. See, too often when we're building the family, one of the things we leave out is the vigilance of God. Making sure that God is watching over the house. You know, I'm going to ask a couple of questions and we're going to move towards a close. How is your home security? I'm talking about in the spiritual sense. Because you know what? I see so many times so many people think that somehow the next generation is going to get it through osmosis. That just because I know it, just because I have a background in the things that are foundational, doesn't mean the next generation is, not going, to, is going to automatically get it. I run across people all the time, and to me it's so alarming. And I'm not just saying this to build a church or, or because I want to see the house full or anything like that. That's, that's just a slight part of it. But I see so many families today that you talk to them, and they know the truth. You talk to them, and they have a background in the truth. You talk to them, and there was a point in their life that they gave their life to Christ. But then you watch the way they live their lives and their kids are getting nothing. How can they expect their home to be secure? How can they expect it to be built on the right foundation? You know, when I grew up, and I didn't always want to go. There was a lot of times mom and dad came into my bedroom on a Sunday morning and I did not want to get up. There was a lot of times that when youth group time came along, I didn't want to go, but I was nudged and pushed to go. And looking back on those things, that along with what I was taught in my home really set a foundation that even when I was stupid enough to test some other things, that foundation was so down in me that I could never fully walk away from it. Even though I had friends that, man, we could go do some stuff and they were just as carefree and whatever and, and we would get through and I'd go back home and I'd lay there in bed guilty the whole time because I knew it went against the foundation that was laid in my life that was home security and this is the next question how is your eternal security 
Now that is a word that sometimes people say like, are you about to cross the line here? Into Those of you that theologically understand what I'm saying. But John 10, 28 says this. I gave them eternal life and they will never, never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now I know that there are people that take eternal security too far, but praise God, we do have eternal security. There is no outside force that's going to come along and remove us from his hand. Now, many people don't balance that with what John says just a few verses later in chapter, a few chapters later in verse 15 where he talks about I am the vine and you are in the branch and if you remain in me. So you have to balance all of scripture. I just handpick one thing. But the last thing that our homes need to be is a place of refuge. He says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. I just like that verse. I think I will start reading that verse at night. Lord, you said you love me. It says you give me sleep. one of the natural stressors is how do I provide for those that I value and those that I love and so we live in a world where we get up early and we stay up late and there's so much effort and so many things and and, and I love the way that it words it but we have to be careful that we don't get so consumed with those things that we're never there that the home never is a refuge. This young man that dad's, whose dad worked real, real hard a lot and came home one day and, and uh, his little son stopped him out as he was coming in, in the door and said, Dad, how much do you make an hour? And the dad was tired. He's like, son, I don't, you know, I, go play, go do something. And so the son kept asking and asking and asking. And, and finally, he just you know, blurted out, son, I make $15 an hour. What, what is that to you? And he sent his son on. And a little bit later, I mean, ever popped off maybe to your kid or something and a little bit later down the line, you're like, maybe I was a little harsh. And so he walks in and he says, son, why did you want to know what I made? I'm sorry, I was a little harsh. He said, well, Dad, I just wanted to know if I could borrow $2. So he reaches in, feeling guilty, pulls out $2 and hands it to his son. And his son reaches over and grabs some money that he has. He goes, now these two plus what I had, I've got $15. Can I buy an hour of your time? We have to be careful. We, when we're there, we need to be there because they can't learn what we're not having that connection with them and rubbing off on them. 
You know, I got beat all the time, but I used to play network video games with my boys when they were at home and stuff just because it was our time of connecting. It's what they were into, and we had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. Matter of fact, recently one of the one of the games that was was kind of re-released and updated for PC and it's Age of Empires 2, if any of you guys ever did any. And, and, and so both boys said, hey, you know what? You can get that real cheap and we can play online. You know what that told me? We made memories. We made memories. See, there's so much we can do. And too often we so, we're so full of the stress and the things that we, that we get so busy that we fail to be present. We, we fail to be, to lay that foundation. Our families need love. Our families need acceptance. How many people in the world are struggling when you talk to them? They go through all kinds of difficulties. They do all kinds of horrendous things. And as you listen to them and you question down, how many times do we hear, is I just wanted the approval of my parents and because they felt like they never ever received it yes we should correct yet we should set boundaries but they need a good pat on the back a good hug around the neck when they do something right they need to be bragged on if they overhear you having a conversation with an adult friend concerning them Yes, it's okay sometimes to tell, tell stories of the things they've done that are out of bounds, whatever. They need to hear you brag about them too. We need this. If we could just get a little music in the background. See, the best place that they can find their purpose is in Christ. Which goes back to the point that he has to be the builder. We can't expect them to embrace a purpose that we don't model. There are things that I remember, you know, I my dad worked a lot, and I can't say that we always threw the football a lot or whatever, but I do remember sometimes we did some things. I remember that we built this big train set in the garage together, you know, so we did this electric train thing. It's one of the things we did together. Those things are cool, but you know what I remember more? For my father and my grandfather were that they were men of their word. They truly, in a loving way, did their best to live this thing out. Neither one of them were ever preachers. I don't know that either one of them ever led anybody to the Lord. All I know is that they lived their lives as an example. And then when we were around, they were with us. They weren't somewhere else in their minds. And it mattered. I saw them both read the Bible I heard them both pray and not just my father and grandfather but my mother and grandmother 
praying moms are a great thing. Talk about home security. I, this wasn't in my notes. I'm rabbit trail for just a moment, then we'll pray. It's funny how much a praying mom can see the nefarious plans that you're in the process of you making and cut them off. I mean, I'm telling you. You people say, well, little birdie told me what he was up, up with. I know it was the Holy Spirit telling my mom what, what, was, what I was trying to get up to. Because I couldn't fool her. On a rare occasion, maybe. need to know we're there they need to see you embrace the Lord because we need to make God our builder here's the greatest part John 15 13 and 14 Jesus said this greater love is no one this than someone lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you So let's take that. If we're his friends and he laid down his life for us and we've asked him into our heart and life and we're his friends, that means something. That means that very last little segment of verse verse 2 there applies to us. It says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Or you could just as easily say, For he gives to his beloved peace. See, if we make God the builder, and we make God the head of our home security, we make God the one that that helps us provide for our families, that as our provider, if we fill all of these steps, that means that God's rest and God's peace will lay upon the home and it'll be good and it'll be right because believe it or not there are atmospheres in homes there's a spiritual side to this a young man that was one of Daniel's best friends growing up he didn't have a horrible family but they were trying to blend a family and how we know that can be tough when you got parents from two different sets and they're trying to do all this stuff and he would come over to the house more than once. And he would walk in the door to visit Daniel. Kim can testify this. And sometimes he would stop and he'd go, I just love it here. See, he felt the peace that was over the home. He knew that there was something there. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my home all the time. So let's make Jesus, let's make God our builder.